630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Still 3 nothing. Four minutes into the third period. Team North America leading Team Europe World Cup tune-up game in Quebec City. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has one of the goals for North America. Connor McDavid named the captain of the team this afternoon. Other pre-tournament action. Finland over Sweden 3-2 in overtime. Russia beat the Czech Republic 4-3. Canada will play the States tomorrow in Columbus. Blue Jays do not play today. They're a game out of first in the American League East behind the Boston Red Sox. Carolina and Denver in the NFL. Carolina leading it at halftime 17-7. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Brett Kissel, Canadian country music star, still ahead. Going to be fun to have him on the show. Want to welcome back though Chris Morris, the head coach of the U.S of a Golden Bears football team. Chris, thanks for fitting me in tonight. I know you got a game tomorrow. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You have your home opener tomorrow, 7 o'clock, against the Saskatchewan Huskies. I want to look ahead to that, Chris, but of course I have to ask about the season opener last week. You wound up losing 39-24 against UBC, but you guys rushed for 312 yards. Man, what a, an incredible running game. Yeah, you know what? We played well in the game. It's unfortunate we made some mistakes. You know, we made some mistakes down in the red zone. We had some penalties down there. And, you know, we just had – we let that game kind of slip away on us. Like, and that's a very, very good opponent. You can't make mistakes, right? So it's it, it, it was very, very encouraging to us that we felt we – you know, we felt we handled the lines of scrimmage very, very well on both sides of the ball. So, and that's that's really a first for us as a program. We're starting to develop some kids in those positions, and we're starting to really be able to push people around up front. So – you know, when you get 300 yards rushing, that's a good benchmark of a of a you know of a good solid offensive line. Good offensive line, and obviously Ed Elnicki is one of your star players. Uh, an outstanding interview as well, from from my point of view. But he had 28 carries for 175, so uh, he had gaudy numbers. But obviously, other guys were able to move it along the ground as well. Yeah, our quarterback had 100 yards, and you know Alex Bradley, who's you know he doesn't get as many touches as Ed, but he does a real good job when he does get the ball in his hands. You know, obviously Ed's our, you know, he's our feature back, and, he, you know, he does everything really well. So with the kind of line we have, the way he plays the game and the way he's physical and running the ball, really, you know, it, it, it lends itself to us having a, you know, a very powerful running attack. In terms of the mistakes that cost you, are we simply talking turnovers here, some penalties, just other breakdowns? What can you tell us about that? Well, we had a turnover down in the red zone, which which wasn't great. We had, you know, we had a penalty down there. We had a penalty down in the, you know, at the end of the half. That, you know, put some points on the board for them. There, 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 it was just a series of things that happened, and then, you know, momentum sort of turned a little bit. We, you know, we were in a position to pull within three right before half time or right before the beginning of the fourth quarter. We didn't get that done. Um, you know, it's just just little things, right? And it's it was impressive to me that we just kept we kept fighting through and even when we fell behind a little bit our guys kept battling and we still kept marching the ball along the ground and through the air arm and our defense kept getting stops and we had seven stops against that offense and that's that's essentially the same offensive unit that went to the Vanier Cup last year. They didn't lose a single starter, I don't think. So it's it's a very encouraging sign for us that we played well with, you know, the number one team in the country. Um, I think we all in this, you know, in our family here felt we felt a little bit short. We thought we had a little bit more in us than we gave that game as far as, you know, just some discipline and some, some things we can control. But we're, we're very excited moving forward with the season. We're, we're excited to play Saskatchewan. It's another quality opponent. 
And, uh, you know, the rest of the season is going to be a dogfight. Every single game should be something that, you know, we're in and fighting to win. All right, Chris Morris, head coach of the Bears football team, joining us on Inside Sports. You have Saskatchewan tomorrow. I mean, another team that's perennially very strong. I believe they won an overtime thriller in their uh, first week. What do you expect them to bring to the table? Yeah, you know, Saskatchewan's just such a fundamentally sound team. They're so well coached. You know, they don't make mistakes, and their kids compete, 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 right? So it's one of those things, if you're even going to have a chance to, to hang with them, you got to meet them and, and beat them in the compete level part. And it's hard to do because they, they get after things. So our guys understand that. I think we understand the nature of our opponent this week. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see what our guys do about that. Chris, I mean, we've talked before. It's It's been kind of a, a long, tough period here for the Golden Bears football team, even before you started coaching it. And I, and I know you've tried to be able to set standards and, and build that culture. And, I mean, I've heard you say some very positive things tonight about controlling the trenches. And, and I'm, I'm hoping, too, that just just building some continuity and familiarity and, and, and having the older guys on the team instruct the younger guys as much as the coaches do. I, I'm, I think I'm reading into that maybe some of that is going on now. Well, absolutely. You know what? And you, and you come, you start the program. You come in, and, and it's, it's really, a, really, a, probably an all-time low for for the program. You know, ranked last in the country, and just just in kind of a sorry state, right? And and really, it, it, you have a few good kids, and we came in, and there were some good kids, there was lots of good kids, and a few really good football players, but not not that not that legacy of winning, not that legacy of leadership, not that legacy of you follow me and I'll show you how to do things. Right. And, and we feel we built that and, you know, kids are, uh, Ed's kind of a, he's kind of the flagship guy for that. And we have a whole bunch of them. We have about 20 of them that are in the same year as Ed right now that are those kind of kids. And they're kids that have been through our leadership, you know, our leadership building program and through our caps council. And they're, they're all doing things now to, to establish a culture here that is of, you know, we don't accept excuses. We were going to work our tails off and, you know, we're going to compete every single day. And that's, it's taking time. It takes time to build when you've got young kids. And it's, you know, people sometimes, well, what, what's, what, you know, what's taking so long there? Why, why has it been so long since you guys have been successful? Like, you can recruit the best kids in the world if you recruit high school kids. It doesn't matter that they're great. They still need two or three years to, to mature, and they still need two or three years to start seeing the game the right way, and they still need two or, three more, two or three years to be physically mature enough to compete. And we're starting to get there now. This is year four for the rebuild, and we're, you know, I feel we're getting very, very competitive from a physical standpoint. Our football IQ has increased tremendously, and the leadership piece you talked about, that's really starting to come too. So as we, we, you know, we just keep chipping away at it, Reed, and it, it's, you know, it's not a quick thing to fix. You can't turn a program around that, that was as down as this one was in, in just a little bit of time. It takes some time to do, and we feel that everything we've done from, you know, the support in the classroom, the number of academic all-Canadians that we put out every year now, our retention rate, um, everything is going very, very positively for us right now. It's just, you know, it's a matter now. We've got to keep competing on the field the way we are, and we gotta, now we've got to start taking some wins on the field. Chris, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a a question not pertaining to your team, though it is still about football. You were an Edmonton Eskimo from 1992 to 2005. I I just want to say a couple words to you and maybe get a memory or a thought. Labor Day and this whole week, I guess, surrounding the rematch, too. (laughs) Yeah, nothing better than Labor Day. I'll tell you, you go down there, and I tell you, I played 14 years, and I don't think it was ever anything but sunny and hot on the Labor Day game. And it was just, it's it's a war. And I know, I don't know, you you lose touch with the dynamics of the teams, right? But I'll tell you what, when we played, especially in the early 90s when we played, 
it, we did not like them and they did not like us. And there was no like huddles at the end of the game or like, you know, see you next week. We hate each other. So, and I, and I'm sure it's very similar to that now. It was, it's just, there was no, you know, there was nothing about them. We liked everything about them was something we detested and, and the games reflected that you watched it on film. And it was just every single one of them was a war. So, you know, I, that rematch game is always special too because you get to come back home after you've played them. I mean, it used to be just on three days rest, so it was it was kind of even even more special. But now you know they give them a little bit more time to rest so they can have even a better game. So I, I'm excited to see the Eskimos. Like I, one thing I can promise you, with you know with Jason there and some of the other guys I know on the staff, that that team's going to be ready to play and they'll get after things on uh, on Saturday. Did you did you see did you see coaching potential in Jason when you were his, his teammate? Because some, sometimes people talk about players that way, but I mean, you, you never you never really know, right? You, some some guys don't have the the drive to actually do it once they retire. Yeah, well, Jay, you, you want, the one thing you know, coaching's hard work, right? Anybody can coach, but it, it, there's very few people who want to work hard enough to, <laughs> to coach for a living, right? And, it, and it's the amount of work you have to put in to do it. Is that's something that's never been something that you could ever question about Jay like he's he, you know he put time in the film room and, and time lifting and time he'd wear himself down like he'd work too hard where, where guys would have to say hey you know you gotta stop because you're gonna wreck your back or you're gonna do something like that so that's a dude who just you know works his tail off so you always knew that he'd be you know he'd be able to do the coaching thing and he and on top of that he's one of the smartest guys I've ever seen so you know that both those things you know and obviously he it's his first year there as a head coach, and there's there's learning there's a learning curve and all those sort of things. But I, the team's playing hard, and you know, and they're making the best of things. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a real good coach long term. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, again, Eskimos, uh, same thing. You got to have the like Calgary's coaching staff. A lot of those guys have been together for years, so the Eskimos are building in that department too. Uh, Chris, always glad to have you on the show. Obviously, I'm hosting Inside Sports tomorrow night. So uh, I will forgive listeners of the show if they want to go support you guys tomorrow night. 7 o'clock at foot, right? Yeah, that would be great. You know, I hear we're going to have a huge crowd here tomorrow night. So, you know, last year I think we had a, we had a sellout here last year, so we're hoping to do the same thing this year and have some good energy here. Okay, right on. I'll, I'll have to follow it online. I hope you get Saskatchewan, man. Thanks for coming on Thanks the show. You. Appreciate it, buddy. Talk to you soon. That is Chris Morris, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Again, what we started off the, those – <laughs> off the top of that interview, Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window. That, that I did not misspeak. They had 312 yards rushing against mm-hmm. UBC. 312. They had a slight edge in time of possession. They played a really good game against the defending champs. Yeah. And uh, they, they wound up losing 39-24. So, you know, you hope it finally clicks for the Golden Bears football team. Uh, Canada West is always tough. Again, we'll see how they stack up against those guys. I love Ed Elnicki. He's a great guest, and he yeah. had a big game, 175 yards rushing All good. against right UBC. Yeah, they're trending upwards. They will get some Ws this year, mark my words. Yeah, absolutely. It's been too long for them out of the playoffs. All right, it is 8-16. Uh, still ahead, Brett Kissel. This is going to be fun. Canadian country music star. And, uh, of course, you can go to 630ched.com to get everything you need from the ribbon cutting at Rogers Place this afternoon. We're back in a couple. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Nathan McKinnon has just scored on a penalty shot, his second of the game, and with eight minutes to go in Quebec, it's now 4-0 for North America leading Europe. They've looked pretty good tonight. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has a goal. Johnny Goudreau, the other one, Connor McDavid, has looked very slick, as he usually does. He is the captain of the team. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 8.20. We have the Eskimos game for you on Saturday, 3.30 for the pregame show. Kickoff will be at 5 from the Brickfield at Commonwealth. We're starting to ramp up. I mean, obviously we have the Eskimos games on you, but we're getting into hockey. A week from tomorrow, we'll be in Penticton. I'll have inside sports, and then that'll morph into coverage of the Oilers Young Stars game. Next Saturday, we'll have a World Cup game. And then we'll uh, pick up the Oilers Young Stars game after that. Next Sunday, we have an Eskimos game. And then all the following week, so 10 days from now, we have World Cup games on in the evening. And then I think we got an Eskimos game that did two weeks from tomorrow. And then we got Oilers preseason. Busy a lot time. of live sports here on 630 Chat. Sorry, I cut you off, Kellen Kennedy. No, I just said busy time. It's uh, we. I have a little uh, in, in shed control here. I have a little whiteboard that's probably I'd say about oh, I've uh, six by six feet and that stuff. And I'm I'm trying to figure out. I have it kind of quartered right now with upcoming dates for upcoming games and that stuff. And it's still not going to be enough. I got to rejig it a little bit. Do you and Panasha keep track of your records for Eskimos games? No, as operators, you no. only do Oilers. No, okay. we just we just do Oilers and that right. stuff. I, I I think I got maybe with the Eskimo games. I think we're pretty well even on the year though. But just with the Oilers games, we have. That's all. That's all just, right. you know, oversight by us. That's all. Well, yeah, it's a huge, <laughs> huge oversight, Kelly Kennedy. Yeah. Come see me after work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll meet you by the bike racks, which apparently we do well, have. I'm not going to fight you. Well, no, I'll, we'll have a nice discussion. I didn't even know we had bike racks until about a week or so ago. We have bike racks out back. Oh, do we? I never go we do. Back. Yeah, we always park in the front lot. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's out, out back by where uh, Sheets got the cool bus. Sheets. Does he keep his school bus here? Sometimes. Oh, just sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. It's here right now, but... Yeah, I, I never even go into our back parking lot, which is much larger than our, our yeah. front parking lot. Yeah. Uh, it's 4 nothing. North America over Europe. Six minutes left. Have you been watching this game, or have you been watching the oh, football yeah. game? Oh, yeah. No, I've been watching this game since it started, so... North America looks great. It's amazing all the Twitter activity. All the people who didn't care about the tournament are suddenly interested in the tournament. And this isn't even the actual tournament. No, this is just an exhibition game in (laughs) Quebec City. Tomorrow's Canada and the United States. We'll have updates on that one. That's in Columbus. Kerry Price is going to start in goal. John Tortorella said he would bench anybody that didn't stand during the national anthem. There's no way a hockey player would never not stand during the anthem. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, it's one of the few times they can stand and kind of just rest and take it easy before all the action starts, right? So, well, I think they're more standing out of respect for their nation. Well, take it a breather. To resting. <laughs> I, love, I love your view of the world, Kellen Kennedy. Well, you know, why do players stand during the national anthem? Well, it's a good time to rest. Okay, well, maybe that's it. Unless you're that's, like the Hanson brothers from Slapshot, that's, that's one option. Then you're just listening to the song, right? Hey, you know what I was just looking at today? Just quickly, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I feel it's one of those topics that has been spent too much time on it. But our buddy Stoffer's been talking about it on Oilers Now. So then I see a lot of stuff on Twitter. So then I start thinking about it. So then I start looking into stuff. And then I was think, well, I should talk about it a little bit. It's, it's Nail Yakupov. And there's still a lot of, should he play with McDavid? Why did he have to play with Letestu so much last year? Why doesn't he get to play more of an offensive role? And I'm going to kind of use the same argument that I used about the Taylor Hall trade. And and again, I I will never tell somebody how to feel. And I deal with a lot of people who feel a lot of different ways, but a lot of different things and have a lot of different opinions. But I, I, I will say that 
when you're going to do a, do a radio show like this, you can't just always come on and just be emotional about everything. You have to try try to look into stuff. So with the Taylor Hall trade, I told people, look, I understand you don't like it. To those that didn't like it, some people were fine with it. But it's not like Peter Shirelli woke up and said, what's the stupidest thing I can do that will irritate every single Oilers fan, or as many as possible? That's pro- That probably wasn't his thinking. So then let's get past that and try to put ourselves in, into what he was thinking, or, or, or at least try to understand it. So with Neil Yakupov often playing with, with bottom six players as an Oiler last season, let's start from the assumption that Todd McClellan is not waking up and thinking, I'm going to put Neil Yakupov in a bad position to sabotage the team I coach. Let's assume he's a competent coach, and I think he proved that in San Jose. Let's, let's make those assumptions, okay? So McClellan's not waking up and saying, I'm going to irritate every blogger that's in support of Yakupov. So once we get past that, then I think we can make a pretty safe assumption that Yakupov's role in ice time was limited because there was some sort of a trust deficiency with his coach. That McClellan and staff didn't feel like Yakupov deserved to play as much as several other forwards on the team. Almost all the other forwards on the team, quite frankly. Now, I understand... Hey, if you're an offensive player, well, any player should get more scoring opportunities if they're with Connor McDavid or Ryan Nugent Hopkins as a center. Fair enough. Mark Letestu, who as I love as a player, I don't make any secret of that, is is not an offensive player like those other guys. So I thought, you know, and it's funny, a lot of these guys that love Yakpov, they're they're really into the advanced sets, and they love turn the music down because they might go more than a minute here. Sorry, Kellen. It's distracting. Just shut it right off. So, <laughs> tell the band to go home. All right, go so, home. So so they love, you know, measuring things per 60 minutes rather than just raw totals. So because they like to say, okay, per 60 minutes. So if a guy played this role for an entire game. So I thought, okay, Yakupov, they, they, they want Yakupov to play more in an offensive role and they crap on Latestu and all this kind of stuff. So I thought, well, there's no more offensive role than being on the power play. And Yakupov actually got to play on the power play. Uh, last season so I went to one of those sites that does all the fancy advanced stats this one isn't even that advanced so points per 60 minutes on a 5 on 4 power play Neil Yakupov had 3.46 points per 60 minutes on the power play Okay, Mark Letestu had 4.11 so how can you argue that that Neil Yakupov is 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 somehow being screwed over by the coach and he's not getting points. You got to play on the power play. And you produced at a rate half a goal per game half a goal per game slower, worse than your fourth line center who was playing on the power play because there were injuries. So if the Yakupov supporters and look, quite frankly, I, I shouldn't say Yakupov supporters because I'm a Yakupov supporter. I want the kid to do well. I want the Oilers to win. I want all you guys to finally be happy after ten years out of the playoffs. But I'm saying he's he's not he's not not he, he's not he's not not producing because McClellan's somehow limiting him. He's he has opportunities that he doesn't take advantage of, and he hasn't earned the trust of the coaching staff because he's not consistent and he's not reliable in his decision-making with and without the puck. Brett Kissel next. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 
It's Friday night, moon's like just hanging there. Ain't too much going on anywhere. I picked her up, turned the radio up, and kicked us down the driveway. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Four nothing, Team North America beats Team Europe in a World Cup tune-up game. In Quebec City, it was uh, Nathan McKinnon scoring twice. He had a goal on a penalty shot. Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a goal. Johnny Goudreau had a goal and an assist. Canada will play the United States tomorrow. Reed Wilkins with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. The song we had coming back, Airwaves, by this young man, country music star Brett Kissel. Brett, welcome back to Inside Sports, man. How are you doing? Hey, I couldn't be any better. Thanks for playing the song, and thanks for getting me back on the air with you guys. It is great to see, uh, great to talk to you again. I got, I, we got to see each other very briefly uh, in the lead up to the Oil Country Championship about uh, six six weeks ago. Are you are you much of a golfer, Brett, or maybe you haven't had much time to hone your game over the years? You know what? It's I, I'm getting an opportunity to play more and more. I, I, I absolutely love the sport, and I've had a chance to play you know quite a bit this summer. Um, but judging by my play at the Oil Country Championship, I mean, I think we came in fourth or fifth or whatever, and that's because my team was carrying. I was playing with Gene Zwazdewski, former Speaker of the House in Alberta, and I mean, he was a putting machine. This guy was thinking birdies like nobody's business. <laughs> uh, that's a tough course, too. The Glendale will uh, will eat you up if you're not a pretty good player, which is why they had, had, the, had the tournament there. Well, good to have you on the show. I have tweeted out a link where people can vote, and you, you can vote more than once. I know because I've done it, Brett. <laughs> for the Hey, nice. Well, I'd like to tell everybody for sure. Absolutely. The CCMA uh, Fans' Choice Award, you're, you're in the running for that. Are you, it's in London, Ontario this year? That's correct. The first time ever the Canadian Country Music Awards are in what they call a secondary market. But, I mean, London is such a fantastic city. Memorial Cup champs this year with the London Knights. Bud Gardens, their arena, is sold out to the Raptors. And our award show takes place on Sunday. The award that I'm really jacked up for, this Fans' Choice Award, is the last award of the night. And we want to make sure that everybody votes for, truly, I, I'm the only Albertan uh, in the category and big Oilers fans. So if we've got any Oilers fans out there that want to vote Kissel, uh, please go and do so. And you can find out all the links on, on my Twitter, my Facebook, as well as your Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, vote Kissel, everybody. That's, that's one of the big messages we've been going on the last month. How, how many times have you been up for a CCMA? Well, I, my very first nomination was when I was a, a kid. I was 16 at my first nomination. But this year is my very first time I'm nominated for the fans' choice. You know, a lot of the main staples in our business, guys like Johnny Reed, Dean Brody, Dallas Smith, they've been up, you know, for many years in a row. This is my very first time. That's why I'm so excited. Yeah, well, good for you, and, and it's been fun to watch. Uh, and and, and I mean, we've talked before about how hard you work and pursuing this dream, and you never take anything for granted, and you just want to keep building and building. So I really admire that about you, and I think a lot of other people do uh, do as well. Now, what's it, you're are you already in London, or, or are you still home here? No, I'm I'm already in London. We had a, a pre kind of a, a, a warm up party that we did for Warner Music, my my record label. We did that this evening, and then honestly, it was a chill night. Read, I was really happy. Uh, you know, I came back to the 
you know, came back to our spot here in London with the boys in the band, and we actually watched the North America game against Team Europe. And uh, it was just fun to just kick up our heels and, and crack a cold one and, and watch some hockey, which, as you know, is my favorite activity to do outside of playing music. So it was a very, very interesting game to watch. It was great to see Connor with the C, and uh, very, very special to watch this, uh, obviously watch this tournament get underway. Well, I know you're a, a huge Oilers fan, and there, there's a lot to talk about. Brett, i got to say, we, we were talking about earlier in the show, and it, you know what? If I'm wrong, I, I'm, I'm wrong. And trust me, when you talk on the radio for three hours a day, so you're wrong a lot, and you got to admit it. But I, I just can't see any way that Connor McDavid is not the captain of the Oilers in three or four weeks from now. Well, you know what? And I think you see what happened today at the tournament, you know, with that, with that uh, reveal. You know, you've got Todd McClellan, uh, the coach, and you've got Peter Shirelli as the GM. Uh, it kind of seems like, like a no-brainer. You know, for the C, although uh, everyone says that there are some great candidates, uh, you know, on the Oilers, um, you know, Jordan Eberle, I think, would be, you know, another, you know, probably the the only one, I think, maybe in in that conversation with Connor, in my opinion. Matt Hendricks, a great character guy in the room, uh, always puts his body on the line, and and I I hear it's just great, you know, in the dressing room. So those are two guys that definitely could be, but, uh, you know, Connor, uh, you know, his talent is, is generational. So, I mean, it makes sense that number 97 has the C on his crest. Brett Kissel joining us inside sports on 630 Channel. He's up for the Fans' Choice Award at the CCMAs in London, Ontario this weekend. You can go to his Twitter account, my Twitter account, find the link, go vote for him. Uh, great Alberta kid. So uh, I don't know, were you able to follow any of the, the Rogers Place ribbon cutting today? Are you gonna, I hope someday you're going to be playing a concert there or, or something. It's pretty cool with the building too. Well, it, it really is. I'm very, very happy for the city. Um, I watched, you know, obviously, the highlights. You know, everyone on TV is talking about this great new arena and stuff like that. I love, and, you know, the Oilers Entertainment Group, I think, do a great job. And, and my hat's off to Don Metz and Aquila Productions because, you know, you, you cut the ribbon and people can just clap and you move on. No, no, no. You cut the ribbon, there's fireworks. Gretzky is there. Kate's with a great speech. I, I think that that's the way to do it. And when Gretzky had said in, in the press conference, you know, we're looking forward to, you know, making new memories at Rogers Place, that really spoke to me because, you know what, this is a new generation. Connor McDavid, is he the new Gretzky? I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, he kind of is. Can he be that guy to take us to another championship? Well, I sure hope so because uh, if I haven't told you this before, Reed, the last time the Oilers won a Stanley Cup, was on the day I was born in 1990, if you can believe it, back in May. I actually didn't know. I don't know if we talked about that before. So, uh, I obviously you have no memory of it. So you, then you would have been uh, 16 for the last Cup run in 06. And that's right. What would you have a first Oilers memory or a first favorite player that you remember liking? Uh, you know what? My my first Oilers memory was uh, you know sitting up in in the 300 section in the gallery at. Uh, at then it was Skyreach Center. My dad takes me to a game, and uh, it was it was a great game um, where uh, Ryan Smith ended up getting a hat trick. Um, I, I to be honest, I don't know if I remember who we played. I think it was the San Jose Sharks, but that was really special to watch Smitty get a hat trick. Um, and he's been one of my favorite players. But I've got so many great, great memories at Rexall Place. Probably my my all time favorite was watching actually Patrick Steffen miss the empty net. 
Um, and then having, uh, you know, Hemsky turn around and score with like 0.5 seconds left. I just remember hugging my, my big brother, Jameson. We were jumping up and down as if we won the Stanley Cup in a big moment like that. You, and there you, were so many great ones at Red Cup. You were at that game. Oh, I, I was at that game. There were so Jeez. many big, big <laughs> games that, uh, you know, I ended up uh, attending over the course, you know, uh, watching Ebb's first goal. I mean, and Jack Michaels with the call, you know, the toe drag, the toe drag. Like, that right. That was just such a great <laughs> moment. And, of course, against the Flames, who I hate. Uh, I hate the Canucks. I watched Sheldon Surrey beat up Mat- uh, Matthias Oland, you know, with the big one sucker punch. I mean, th- I love that stuff, and there's so many great moments at Rexall. Brett, uh, I, I know, obviously, your career has taken you a lot of different places, and, and you spend a lot of time in Nashville now, and you travel a lot. What's it like for you following hockey? Is is it ever challenging to follow the Oilers in the NHL as closely as you would like? It it really is, and the frustration is because in the United States, still so many sports seem to get more acknowledgement than, than the National Hockey League. So I live in Nashville now, and it's really disappointing, you know, you watch pretty much every other sport before they get to hockey, and maybe just maybe they'll just show some Preds highlights or maybe some Penguins or Kings highlights, and then that's it. So I have to be very, very, you know, I, I watch, uh, you know, 630 Chad and some of the highlights as well as I go to Oilers.com a lot, you know, to, to watch the highlights. But, Reed, one of my favorite things to do now is to watch the oil play in other rinks in the NHL. And I've been very lucky, you know, as I've formed a great friendship with Jordan Eberle and a few of the guys on the team to, you know, watch them play in Florida or in Detroit or in Nashville. And it's really great to wear my Oilers jersey in other cities. All right. Uh, speaking of, of arenas, I'm going I'm to throw one at you here. Do you have a, a, a favorite venue or venues where you performed or maybe you can pick one larger one and, and one smaller one because uh, I mean sometimes you do intimate shows and probably when you started out too maybe you were you were you were I, I don't know if you were playing the St. Paul Hotel or what but uh, oh, I've, I've played a, a, a number of, of gigs in, in my day I mean I'm only 26 but there are a bunch of venues uh, when it comes to the hockey arenas um, one of my favorite places that I've ever played I opened for Brad Paisley at the Bell Center in Montreal and that was just so special to be in such a, I think, a storied building with such a storied franchise. Um, that was great. And then, you know what, and, and Carey Price had come out to the show, and he loves country music. It was just great to, to be that guy because Brad Paisley doesn't know much about hockey. So he wasn't spending time with the players that came to see the show. So I was right in there, you know, just hanging out with these guys. That was a great memory that I'll never forget. Um, and then, you know what, I, I did get a chance to play at Budweiser Gardens um, in 2014 in May and watch the Edmonton Oil Kings win the Memorial Cup um, against, uh, I don't know who they played, some team from Quebec, but it, it, what a party that was and what a great atmosphere that was. Uh, yeah, they beat the Quebec team in triple overtime in the semi and then they beat Guelph in the final, yes. Not to correct oh, you, but just to final, bring back the right. memories, yes. But yeah, that was that was pretty cool. All right, Brett. Well, you're a gentleman for joining us, and I know it's a little later uh, out east, and it's always great to talk hockey with you and just update people on your career. I, I hope you you get to Rogers Place at some point this season, so I can say hi to you in person, and maybe we can do do another interview. But uh, again, let people know how they can vote for that fans' choice. Well, everybody, check out my Twitter account, my Instagram, or my Facebook. The link is going to be there. But if you can, it's. CCMA fan vote 
www.dmds.com, and that's going to take you right to the page you need to. There's five choices. Click on my photo, and you're done. And then tell all your friends, because voting closes, <clears throat> voting closes tomorrow. And then uh, we announce it on Sunday who the big winner is of the fans' choice. And I'm telling you now, Reed, if I'm lucky enough to win that sucker, let's bring that trophy back to Edmonton, and uh, let's, uh, let's have a big party together. Oh, that sounds like a great idea, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for doing this, Brett. We will do it again. So, th- again, I really appreciate that you made time to come on tonight. No problem. And, yeah, can't wait for the, for the new season. We will see you very soon. Right on. That is Brett Kissel checking in tonight. I love that young man, and I, I didn't know that. Now, I will admit, I, he could have told me before and forgotten, because I don't have a perfect memory. He was born 1990, the day the Oilers won their fifth, and I guess we should say most recent Stanley Cup. If you say last, you make it sound like it's never going to happen again. Hopefully, it will happen again. All right, that was great to have Brett on the show. And yet, my, it, more people follow him on Twitter than me. But if for some reason you're not following Brett, go to my Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins, and get that link to vote for the Fans' Choice Award. All right, it is Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, winding her down, been a fun show. Peter Shirelli will recap that conversation when we get back. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30. Ched. Still 17-7, Carolina leading Denver. End of the third quarter. National Football League season opener. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Team North America making news today, beating Europe 4-0 in their first World Cup tune-up game. This afternoon, they named Connor McDavid captain, and I spoke to their general manager of the Oilers and North America, Peter Shirelli, shortly after that announcement. Peter, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Yeah, thanks for fitting me in tonight. I know it's a busy day. The The big news, Connor McDavid will be the uh, captain here for Team North America in the World Cup. Uh, I mean, obviously a lot of speculation and certainly a lot of Oilers fans, I think, hoping he would get that honor. What went into it uh, to, to make that decision on a team with, uh, you know, a lot of young guys, but he's one of the younger ones? Well, a lot of young guys, Reed, a lot of guys that, uh, that will be leaders, um, and that will will be leaders with their own club teams and with and with this team. Uh, we just talked amongst the management group and the coaching staff, and we felt uh, that uh, what Connor is as a player, what he what he represents, and how he represents himself. We felt that he'd be he'd be a good candidate to be captain. Uh, in addition to having the strong leaders around him, like Aaron Ekblad and Sean Couturier, who are two really solid individuals and very good players. Uh, I mean, look, this leads into my next question that the Oilers here in Edmonton, uh, you guys have said you will have a captain for the upcoming season. Um, I mean, is is this an indication that, you know, you'd be leaning towards Connor or he'd be in the running to wear the seat for the Oilers? How, how What can you say to fans about that? Well, we'll have a captain at some point in training camp and we'll go through the same thought process and have the same discussion. Uh, with our management group and with the coaches, and, and we'll have a captain in, in due course. Okay, uh, you guys. How's that for an answer? It's <laughs> kind of what I was expected, to be honest, Peter. Yeah. But I, well, you got it. I had to ask. Um, yep. Just uh, on the World Cup. Uh, how do you define your expectations for Team North America? Guys from two countries, they're all young. Uh, you know, they're all still up in, in their career, and a lot of them have never played together before. How do? You, what's your expectations for this team? 
Well, I, I, I think we've been under the radar a little bit. We seem to be emerging uh, as people watch us practice. We're, we're lightning fast, this team. And uh, if they can harness it, they can play without the puck. I think we can we can make some noise. Uh, we're trying to bond this group quickly. And, um, you know, they're a good bunch of kids. They're doing a lot of stuff together. So we'll see how, uh, how the next week goes. But uh, I think we can surprise a few teams. All right. And before I let you go, I have a number for you. 56,878. That's the number of people who have a ticket to go on the Rogers Place open house tour on Saturday. It's exciting today with the ribbon cutting. I I, I know there's probably part of you that wishes you could be around for this too. But yeah, I, I really, uh, I've been watching the video, been talking to everyone there and I, it's uh, you know this is a good experience here, and I'm glad I'm part of it. And and most of me is in Edmonton watching it and hearing about how our guys are skating and, and everyone coming in for camp. So uh, a little conflicted, but it's, it's a good day today for the Oilers. Peter, thanks for fitting me in. Enjoy the game tonight. Okay, thank you. So that was Peter Shirelli. I talked to him off the top of the show. Wanted to, to just play that again. And I'm sure he did enjoy the game because, as I mentioned, North America, two goals by Nathan McKinnon, one each from Goudreau and Nugent Hopkins, and they beat uh, Europe 4 nothing. Oh, uh, Matt Murray got the shutout, by the way. I should uh, should have said that. All right, uh, Brandon Davidson was on the show as well, and I, I brought up the McDavid captaincy with the Oilers defenseman. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great honor for him here in the, in the North America Cup as well. And, um, I think that uh, might be a good sign for things to come for the Oilers, and um, that's kind of one thing or one thing that we're all kind of uh, wondering as well. But um, it seems like Connor is uh, definitely the driving force behind this team and, and somebody that's going to be relied on for many years to come. And, and his leadership has already been um, tremendous as, as such a young guy. And, um, I would, uh, I would uh, like to let him lead and, and, and follow. So uh, we'll see what happens here for sure. But uh, at the same time, uh, I uh, – Wish him the best of luck in North America. Does the age of, of a captain really matter in the locker room once a guy is picked? Um, I think we got enough guys uh, in that locker room that have uh, played in the league for a while and, and can definitely help mentor him And, and um, if, if he is chosen captain. And I think that kind of it will, he'll look for that at, at such a young age, maybe a little bit of help from, from those older guys. But um, you know, he leads by example on the ice. He's the guy that steps up in, in uh, tough situations, and, and uh, he wants to win. I think that's uh, that's the biggest part, and um, that's uh, he's the driving force behind our whole team. So there are some thoughts from Brandon Davidson, Edmonton Oilers defenseman. He also talked about the injury he suffered in March in Winnipeg lower body injury and he did say if the Oilers would have been a playoff team he would have been able to return for the playoffs you miss anything on this show go to the inside sports page on 630ched.com from Oilers now go to the Oilers now page and 630ched.com also has extensive coverage of today's Rogers Place ribbon cutting yes it is open for business at long last going to be exciting to be actually uh, working there in a few weeks that'll be fun Besides Brett Kissel tonight, you heard from U of A football coach Chris Morris, Eskimos offensive lineman DeAnthony Batiste, Bob Stoffer was on the show, and of course the full interviews with Brandon Davidson and Peter Shirelli. Tomorrow, Labor Day rematch preview. That'll be fun. The game coming up on Saturday, 3.30. The coverage begins on 6.30. Chad, the game will kick off at 5.00. Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. The studio producer this evening, 
The one and only Kellen Kennedy, the producer of the show, is Dave Campbell. Denver just scored a touchdown fourth quarter. Carolina up 17-14 on the Broncos. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's coming up to 8.57. Thank you so much for listening. We'll speak tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.